By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or consultations with your healthcare professionals. We are here to share stories and give hope. Please consult your physician for any medication questions or medical issues you may be having. Our bodies are uniquely ours, and something that may work for one person may not necessarily work for you. Welcome to the Meniere's News Podcast. It's been so great being back and hearing from so many of you. I am very interested in what you'd like to hear more about, and the only way that I will know is if you send me a message. So tell me, email me, reach out to me on social media, or send me a voice message at www.speakpipe.com. All the ways to connect with me are down below in the show notes. I have a special treat for you today. She is a gentle soul that is a nature enthusiast, and I came across her page years ago when my daughter was into mermaids. Scrolling Instagram, I came across this stunning human dressed like a mermaid, swimming in various springs around Florida. I later learned she had Meniere's, and her content continued showing up in my feed. Her love for trees, birds, and everything in nature drew me closer, knowing she has this debilitating disease that could keep her down and she isn't allowing it to keep her confined. You are going to love her. Please welcome one of Vita's newest Vita ambassadors, Callie. Callie, I am so happy we're finally connecting. I was going back through um, my personal Instagram page and trying to figure out when it was that um, we first connected. And it was through one of your mermaid posts. I don't know if you know that. Because yeah. my daughter was fascinated with you and um, and everything that you do. Not necessarily, we didn't know about the water conservation aspect of it, but she was just enamored with your tails, your mermaid tails. <laughs> and I told her I was meeting with you today and I said, is there anything you want me to ask her? And she says, yes, I want to know where I can get a tail. <laughs> well, she can send me a message and I will let her know all the places. <laughs> okay, it's so cute. I even have, oh my gosh, like it's we ever were to run into each other in real life, she could just borrow mine. I have a couple <laughs> of extras that like don't fit me. So. Aww, that's so fun. How many do you have? A uh, total of three, four skins and two monofins. Oh my gosh. So, that's so much fun. People are probably going, what are you talking about? Yeah. The, the monofin goes in the fluke, which is, you know, the bottom of the tail and um, the, the custom one that I have, which is the one I post the most of um, it's actually really hard to swim in because it's, it's a monofin wedged in between two pieces of really large vinyl and it cuts my feet to pieces and oh my God. for me to wear like a water sock to prevent that. Um, so it's like a labor of love whenever I go out in that one. Yeah, you when the videos is it your husband that captures those? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he, he, oh, he's awesome. The essence of your videos are just just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, we're not here to talk about mermaids, <laughs> but I wanted to um I want to know a little bit more about you and your vestibular journey. Can you take us on that ride? Yeah. So I um, gosh, you know, I'm a native Floridian. I've always loved the outdoors. Um, I've always been really active. So that's like kind of a big thing with me. I've always been like this really busy, busy person. Um, 
love music. I'm always posting, like, voice singing. So my family <laughs> was like a really musical family um, that I grew up with, but they were more on the instrument side, singing and stuff. So I think I got that from them. Uh, not that I'm a good singer, but it, uh, I love music, and music has been, like, a huge part of my life. Um, and so the vestibular stuff has kind of interrupted that a little bit. Um, we can maybe go more into that as we talk. But um, so, yeah, I, uh, as far as my journey goes, you know, I was like 25, I think, whenever I first started noticing, um, I was actually at the gym and I was noticing like this weird sensation in my ear, like kind of like a slight fullness, not like the fullness I would come to know and loathe, but <laughs> it was like just a little bit of fullness and then like tinnitus, um, no hearing loss or anything. And I, I was honestly scared that I had done something with listening to the volume too loud in my earbuds. Um, and so I kind of was thinking it was that, and I didn't have health insurance at the time, so I wasn't like gonna go to the doctor for it. Um, but I remember telling my husband like, oh my gosh, like my ear, sounds really weird. Like this is not, and you know, normal for me. Um, and he calmed me down. He was like, oh, this that kind of stuff happens all the time with people. Like you might've just listened to your music too loud. It'll probably go away. And it did go away. Mm -hmm. um, so I just was really happy to accept that as, mm -hmm. you know, this is going no further. It was just a fluke. I'll be careful with my headphones. Um, but it, it kept coming back um, and it kept staying longer and longer each time. And then eventually um, the hearing loss started to come. And then the dizziness, like when it first happened, it wasn't vertigo. I, I was just at my mother-in-law's house and she was cooking like Christmas dinner and I was helping and I was like, you know, I just need to lay down for a moment. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was like maybe 26, 27 at this time. And so I just laid down and I just remembered my head felt like it just kept going back into the couch. And I was like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like it went away. And so I was just happy to say like, maybe, you know, I'm getting older and like, these are things that I'm just going to get to enjoy more of the older I get. <laughs> um, so I literally, you know, I just didn't want to face, um, face anything that was potentially like, bad so right. I was happy to avoid um but the years went on and you know this whole time I was probably like what I would have considered like peak shape healthiness as far as my workouts I was really lean I was eating healthy or so I thought at the time um that's always like you know hindsight you always learn like oh I thought I was doing things right um but it wasn't necessarily right for me which I would come to find out later mm -hmm. um I was great health, biking all the time, um, running, lifting weights. Like I commuted to work on a bicycle and, or walked, um, but it just started getting worse and worse. And then I think it was 2015, um, when things got so bad that it was like interrupting my life. So I kept thinking it was just food poisoning. Like I would be at my desk and I would start to get these, um, like, uh, what do they call it? Like auras, like migraine, um, migraineness, which I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but I would start getting these visual issues and then I would start to get really sick to my stomach and then I would be nauseous and then everything would spin. And, um, and so that's why I was like, Oh, what did I eat? Like, this is, gosh, what did I have? It's food poisoning. Um, so that happened like three or four times. Um, and then the last time that it happened, I was walking, trying to walk to my car from work, which is a 10 minute walk where I have to park. And I had to lay down on the grass in front of all the students. Um, 
and take a moment because everything started spinning and I couldn't walk anymore. And luckily it's normal for students to lay in the grass. <laughs> like nobody came to me thinking I was like in distress and I wasn't wave waving my arms or anything. I was embarrassed. I was like, what's happening to me? And um, I don't like needing help or anything like that. So I laid in the grass for like 20 minutes while it was happening. It wasn't going away. So I finally called my husband to come get me. Um, which he did. And again, I was like, I think I have food poisoning. Like, I don't know what I ate. So he brought me home and he literally had to like hoist me because I, I couldn't even like hold my weight up on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and I went home, went to bed. It finally went away after like four hours, I think was the total duration. Um, and as soon as I didn't feel nauseous, I went right to the gym and I tried to work it off. And I told myself like, I'm going to like stop eating. I'm going to cook my own food. Like I'm not getting food poisoning anymore. Um, but as I started to open up about what was happening to me and having conversations with people, there was mentioned that she knew someone who had very similar things and it sounded exactly like Meniere's disease to her. And I did not want to hear that at all. Um, but I did finally go to the doctor because my work was becoming interrupted and the doctor I went to was just a primary care physician, small town type feel. Um, and he was just like, you have bad allergies. I wouldn't worry too much about it. You just got a bad case of allergies, go through this allergy program um, and build immunity to your seasonal allergies and that'll really like change your life. So I did like a year of that, didn't change my life. Things were getting worse. Actually they got worse with the shots because I think, you know, there's some evidence that allergies can, affects Meniere's a little bit. And um, when you're like injecting the things that you're allergic to, yes, you might be building immunity to it, but you're still also putting it in your body. So for me, it like kind of made things go haywire. Um, and let me know if I'm going too long on this question. No, you're great. <laughs> um, so life was still doable. I mean, I was having these vertigo flares like only twice a year, um, twice maybe mm. a year four hours, so predictable. I got to where I could tell like when it was going to happen, I would see the visual disturbances, the nausea, and then I just kind of know, okay, I'm going to lay down. I would let it pass. I was good to go back in the gym, back to work, like just, you know, but um, again, as time went on, the allergy thing didn't work. I decided to see a specialist because it was getting really bad. Um, like I couldn't even hide it anymore in meetings. Uh, the fact that I couldn't like make eye contact with people or really follow what they were saying because the way that all the different noises in the rooms, these meeting rooms, it was just reverberating and it was mm -hmm. sent overload and it was too much and I didn't know what's happening. So I saw a specialist and he did all these different things. He did an epilepsy maneuver, um, which I wasn't dizzy at the time, but I don't know if he was, I don't know what, what that was. <laughs> But I did like the hearing tests and I did the, the puffs of air in the ear and caloric testing. Uh, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, he was just so like, he's like, there's four things I think it could be. And he listed them all off and then Meniere's was one of them, which I was dreading. Um, mm. And then he's like, what do you think it is? And I was just like, <laughs> because I was like, I don't want it to be any of them. They all sound horrible. Um, but he's like, well, I think it's Meniere's. Um, have a few more rounds of testing and stuff. Um, and yeah, since then I saw a few more doctors. They all said the same thing, except for my current doctor, the one after all of that, because um, I went through quite a few doctors just trying to find the right personality match for mm -hmm. me, the right sure. um, structure of care that I wanted. 
Um, and I actually settled on a surgeon who's amazing here in town. Um, and he, he's the one who's like, because my recent chronic stuff that became so debilitating to where I couldn't, I thought I was going to have to quit my job. That was like a couple years ago. Um, he was like, it doesn't sound like many years to him. It sounded like it could be some kind of migraine variant. Um, and to him, you know, the research was showing they have so many overlapping symptoms. People can have one or both or the other. Um, they kind of go hand in hand. So, right. So do you, do you have a history of migraine? Um, not that I, not that I was aware of at the time, because I remember mm -hmm. thinking like, I don't get headaches because that's what you assume right. when your migraine is that it's just like these really bad headaches. And mm -hmm. I had a specific instance that I remembered when I, on my 15th birthday, um, I was so excited. My friends were coming over. I'd never had a headache in my life. And then I got this jarring out of nowhere headache that I've never experienced. Like I thought I was dying, um, yeah. but I was trying to be a trooper because my friends were coming over. <laughs> um, and I remember my mom sitting on the bed with me and saying like the exact same thing happened to her on her exact 15th birthday. And she was like, it'll go away. Don't worry. Um, so that was like a headache. I remember um, and then the second question that he had asked me, uh, the doctor had asked me if I'd ever had headache. He asked me if I had been motion sick as a mm -hmm. kid. And I was like, yes, I used to get car sick all the time. I could ride roller coasters and stuff, but like mm -hmm. the car, oh my gosh, I was always like the one who was sick. Um, I kind of grew out of it though. And I don't really have any issues with it now. But through my research, I've learned, um, you know, because he recommended the heal your headache diet um, just in case. He was like, can't really hurt you to try it. So I did. Um, and reading the literature on that, like you learn just migraine is so much more than headache. Right. right. Know, it blows my mind. So it is crazy because I have, um, I've always suffered from migraine from uh, preteen up until, well, now, but to have that, that variant of a vestibular migraine where I don't have the pain, but I know the difference. It's, it's so difficult to explain to people. Yeah. You have a migraine, but no pain, but, but I'm having some vestibular symptoms. It's just, uh -huh. yeah, it's crazy. Uh -huh. So you did the heal your headache diet. Did you do the elimination diet completely? Like it says, I did the extreme. I did it longer than it's recommended you do because I was too afraid to introduce foods back. Um, and I have been finally introducing foods back and trying to just, get back to where I find like I'm able to go out and enjoy myself a little bit, like live on the edge just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I did do it and it was really hard at first because I had no energy. I was mentally exhausted. I was fatigued. Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to get to the store. I didn't know. I was so sick that I also wasn't hungry, <laughs> but I know I, I knew I needed to eat. Um, but it seemed right. like the first few weeks, everything I put in my mouth came right back up. Um, cause I would just get dizzy instantly. And so, um, it took a while. My husband helped a lot with everything. And, um, if it wasn't for finding the dizzy cook as well, like, I don't think I would have found recipes that were actually tasty. So right. <laughs> yeah. let me, let me ask you something real quick while I'm thinking about it. Initially you were having one to two episodes a year mm -hmm. when this started to, and get worsen. How often were you having the episodes and at what point were you like, I've got to see a doctor about this? 
Yeah. Um, so it wasn't as much the episodes of Vertigo. They were increasing, I would say, like twofold, um, mm. where it wasn't like two or three a year, it was more like six a year. Um, yeah. But still, you can kind of manage if that's all, all it is, is the Vertigo. Right. But the, the sensory overload and the hearing distortion and just the general like fatigue and brain fog, that mm. was getting unmanageable and i found myself doing all the wrong things that i know now are wrong but i mean i was reaching for coffee after coffee after coffee mm -hmm. to try to get rid of this fatigue and nothing could seem to like nip it at all right. um, so it was really those things in addition to the vertigo increasing um but at its worst it was multiple times a day um every day and i had the the drop attacks so i had fallen at work which was really embarrassing for me <laughs> i'm not embarrassed now but right. um, but at the time i was pretty embarrassed and then uh on my husband and i's like anniversary trip um it was in the midst of all this i knew i shouldn't have gone we went to cumberland island but i just mm -hmm. wanted to go and i'm like you know i refuse not to live my life um <laughs> <laughs> and i was sick the whole time and i had yeah. to live like we had like a picnic blanket and we did walk around as much as I could, but I did have to lay down for like a good hour or two. Um, and I had a drop attack that time. So those are the only two that I've had. Those were like two mm. years ago. Um, but once you have them, they never leave the back of your mind as a possibility. Yes. Yeah. I've been fortunate not to have them, but I'm glad you didn't have a major injury because I've had friends that um, some of those injuries are pretty significant. Yeah. Wow. I go down yeah. the stairs very carefully. Like even when I'm feeling completely well, like mm -hmm. the stairs are no joke to me. I study them and I take my time and I hold the handrail. <laughs> yes. I know. I noticed that I have slowed down significantly walking because I used to be a fast walker walking and anything out of the ordinary where I'm not used to the area. Absolutely. It's crazy. Well, if you, like you said, you went on vacation looking back, knowing what you know now, would you have still gone on that vacation knowing um, that you were? Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. So that's like, that's the essence of me is like, I am not going to miss out. This might try to hinder my life, but I'm not going to let it mm -hmm. um, as much as I can. Like if I'm really, really, really bad, like that one trip that I just mentioned, it was just my husband and I, and, and he knows what, what we're up against. So um, I didn't feel like I was burdening him. Um, and I have gone on a group vacation during the same time period when things were starting to turn up, where mm -hmm. I kind of give everybody the lowdown of what to expect, um, what might happen. And, you know, the, the most of it was that if I start feeling bad, I'm going to lay in the tent all day. You guys go have fun. Do not feel bad for me. I'm right. happy to be out of Florida. I'm just happy to be here. It's like part of my healing. And so I think just like the communication with people as well is really important and to not um, to not miss out on the things that you want to enjoy, because I think that's just as healing as other medicines. Absolutely. I, I know a lot of people reach out to me with the fear of even going on vacation. And it, it, it hurts me to, to think that there are so many people that aren't living and taking that step into that towards that fear, because it, it, at that point, it's controlling you. And I'm the same way. I'm going to do it. If I don't feel good when I'm doing it, okay, I will adjust and take my time and, and do what I need to do. But man, I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, it's, that's crazy. Absolutely. Um, you know, we learn to like prepare for these moments, right? Yeah. So yep. like, I have like 
a blanket that actually folds into like a little purse just in case I need to lay down outside. And that's mm -hmm. not a bad case scenario, right? Because if you're laying down, you find a beautiful tree, you get to look for birds or at least listen for the birds yeah. while you're trying to settle everything. So there's ways to still enjoy even like the bad, the bad times. Absolutely. What would you say is your biggest challenge today, Kelly? Um, I think, I think staying positive, I've kind of gotten that down, but that was a recent one to kind of get over. Like it's easy to look at all the inspirational posts on Instagram. It's one thing to post them and another thing to actually live it. Right. Um, so I think always just trying to keep my perspective in check um, and make sure that I am not floating into a negative space. Um, but then also just when the vertigo does flare up, like that's, that's the main challenge because I want to, I'm one of those people I want to work um, really badly. I love my job and I love the yeah. people I work with and I want to keep volunteering and the things that I do. So I think uh, there's always this anxiety in the back of my mind and I do try to keep it in check that the level of chronic that I had felt a couple years ago when I thought I was going to have to quit would return and then I'll actually have to quit my job. And so just trying to keep that anxiety in check is really like, one of the biggest hurdles to overcome mentally. Yeah. Did you have to take a leave of absence at any time from work? Um, I did take a few days off. Uh, okay. For the most part, when this happened, it was during the summer. I was really lucky. I work in higher mm -hmm. education, and so all the students were out, um, and all the faculty were gone. Um, so I was able to somehow make it into my office, sit myself at my computer, and just do what I could. So it took me an extra 10 minutes to read an email because it was kind of spinning around the screen and it took me a little bit longer to type it out. It didn't matter because I was still doing it um, and people were still getting their answers. And so I just did what I could. I tried not to put too much pressure on myself other than to make sure that, you know, I wasn't letting anything slip up. Um, but, you know, I, I have a very understanding supervisor. He was ready to make any accommodation I needed. Um, and if, certainly if I needed to take a leave of absence, I had that um, ability. Mm -hmm. But I, even though I probably should have, you know, um, <laughs> I'm like, I want to save this until I like really need it. And um, so I hadn't given up hope at that point that I was going to come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So today you're pretty, do you have symptoms daily or are you pretty good? I'm pretty um, good. -wise, yeah. I always have the tinnitus. Um, mm -hmm. The earfulness kind of comes and goes, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Um, my hearing has, it's still reduced, but I can hear out of my ear, which at one point I kind of, it was pretty bad. I almost couldn't hear out of it at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been wonderful. Um, and, you know, just here and there, I'll kind of get these like visual issues where it's kind of hard to focus my eyes. And then I mm -hmm. think, oh no, is it coming? it like is the vertigo around the corner um yeah. it is but when it happens now um it's like for 10 or 20 seconds mm -hmm. i've gotten to where i can even handle it standing up i just kind of hold on to something and just mm -hmm. let it pass and i can still have a conversation so that's a really huge achievement for me and i'm hoping that it stays that way um because <laughs> you know i i don't know if you've heard this before but i have heard from several of the doctors I've been to that like after so many years, it's supposed to kind of burn itself out in the sense, not that it goes away, but mm -hmm. you get better at handling it and it's less intense. Um, 
So yeah. fingers crossed that that's true for me because I am in that time frame. Right, right. I know. I think we're about the same because mine started in 2016. Okay. And um, gosh, I hope that's true. <laughs> I, but I, I think you. I think you're onto something, though. I think we learn to handle it and um, accommodate it, and just we just get used to it. I know that I know the game well of freezing, and when you have that swaying sensation, and then just moving on. And your husband probably is aware of it, but your friends probably don't even notice. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do the same thing, and it's just kind of like freeze frame for a moment, and then we carry on. I feel like my friends do know because I vocalize it so hard. I get all <laughs> now I'm like, "Woo!" Everything just spun for a second, <laughs> and I kind of like laugh about it. But yeah, they usually know. I, I vocalize it all. Yeah, dude, good. Do you still do you um, partake in alcohol at all? I do. You I do. probably shouldn't. Um, I'm like such a jolly drinker, um, <laughs> being like the happiest person. Um, so I never drank until I was just about 21, um, just because of family history. I was afraid of alcoholism. And then as I got older and moved out to college, I realized people can drink and have fun and still be responsible. So I started to partake and I realized that I didn't have any kind of addictive tendencies with it. Um, so I was such a fan of like anytime we traveled anywhere, going to local breweries. I love the taste of beer so much. Beers from all around the world, beers yeah. from local places. So that was like kind of an identity thing that mm -hmm. I felt like I was going to lose when I realized I needed to give up the alcohol mm -hmm. just to kind of keep my symptoms reduced and at bay. Um, I kind of quit drinking for a while and then I have brought back like with the wine wands I'll have a glass of wine here and there um, but I just don't really I don't know if my palate changed since I did the elimination diet I've been eating healthier but I actually don't really enjoy wine anymore like I used to like it and now I just don't love it like I'll have one or two glasses and I'm done it tastes bad after that to me um yeah and then I drink the clear distilled stuff that me too. White Claws. <laughs> yeah, White Claws. Or um, mine lately is the High Noons. Mm, yes. Um, or Vodka Soda. But, mm -hmm. you know, those hit harder than I was used to with beer. So I, I've i kind of reduced my drinking to, like, just special occasions because it's just not the same feeling as the beer I once loved and knew. Does, does beer um, give you an increase in your symptoms? I have not been willing to risk trying. <laughs> Um, I think that like the wheat part of it is probably, I had like a blood test before I did the elimination diet and before mm -hmm. I knew about the Heal Your Headache diet, mm -hmm. I did one of those online blood tests from I think like Everlywell or something. Um, and so one of the things that came back with was that it wasn't gluten, it was wheat, wheat that I was pretty highly sensitive to. Um, mm -hmm. So I've just kind of eliminated that from my life completely. Like I don't even, not even on a cheat day when I'm like out on vacation while I risk wheat, mm -hmm. even though it's probably fine. Um, but I would rather go for like chocolate or something more. <laughs> so. Nope. No problems with chocolate as a trigger. Not lately. I mean, I also eliminated that completely for over a year. Um, yeah. I didn't touch it. And now I have like certain ones, like I make sure they don't have any soy in them. Um, they don't have a bunch of nasties. So I find myself, mm -hmm unfortunately paying like seven to ten dollars for like the alternative health 
food version of M&M's. Um, <laughs> like, but it's, it's cleaner, you know? Um, right. So I, I have been partaking in chocolate again because I just don't want to give it up. And it, it hasn't seemed to trigger anything, but I also yeah. don't shovel it in like I used to because, right. oh gosh, I used to shovel it in. <laughs> chocolate was not safe around me. Chocolate yeah. and coffee were like my two vices and potato yeah. chips. Yeah. Are you able to drink coffee today? I occasionally have a Swiss water processed decaf if I can find it while I'm out, but um, I don't really enjoy it anymore. I kind of yeah. tend to go more for like the herbal teas because mm -hmm. I've grown more accustomed to those. Right. So I don't really miss it. I I'll, I will get one because I'll think, oh, I missed this. And then I'm right. I'm nice. like so disappointed when I taste it. <laughs> Why did I do this? Yeah, I get that. Is there any advice you would want to go back and give yourself at the beginning of your journey? Um, not to be so dramatic. Because <laughs> <laughs> before I even was diagnosed, um, and the friend had told me that, you know, oh, you should get this looked at. It could be this. And I had Googled the symptom. I had Googled it and I found horror stories trigger warning I was like if this is what I have like I'm just gonna end it because like I'm not becoming a um a burden to anybody I'm not becoming someone who's just gonna lay in bed all day um I'm that's not gonna be my life because you know in my head I was imagining the worst case scenarios and imagining that that was gonna be the end all be all forever um and then the diagnosis came and I had to kind of like relive what I said I would do if that was the case. And then I was like, I don't want to end it. <laughs> you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, I think I would have told myself, you know, like, don't jump to that um, right away. That thought, because you right. don't really know what you're up against yet. Like be calm. So yeah, if I could go back and tell myself anything, it would be to not be dramatic you don't even know what you're up against yet. Do a little more research, not into the scary things, but into the positive things because there is a lot of that out there. Um, and I think that would have like saved a lot of tears and a lot of um, up at night anxiety and, yeah, uh, you know, even would have changed the conversations I had around it, not only with myself, but people around me. I wouldn't have been so negative. Mm -hmm. You Did you go to social media at all to try to find out um, more about it? Not at first. My sis had actually recommended that to me. Um, and I was just like, I'm still not processed. I mean, this was like three or four years in when I had been diagnosed and I still wasn't ready to like, yeah. that was a label attached to me. Um, so, you know, she was like, you should do that. Like it helps a lot of people. You don't want to feel isolated because I can talk to other people about it, but if they're not going through it, they don't actually know um, they can be supportive, but they can't yeah. identify with it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it was like another six months after that. And I finally was like, I'm going to check out Reddit. I'm going to check out like these other support groups. Um, I don't have Facebook. So that wasn't one that I have, I've ever gone to. Right. But it was exactly what I was afraid of. Um, it was worst case scenarios, horror stories. And my gosh, you feel so bad when you're reading it for what the the people posting are going through because right. you know that it is that bad, but it just, I knew right away it wasn't going to be helpful for me um, yeah. not to participate in it at all. So I, I noped out just as soon as I got into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. I'm part of a lot of groups, but I, I only go in once in a while when I have a question and I go right to the, to the search button 
because it's so easy to get sucked into that darkness um, because yeah. we've been there. And yeah. And it's hard too. I, I don't know if you, if you experience this, but sometimes because I'm doing so well, I actually have some guilt when I'm in there that um, for one, I don't know that people will believe that I was ever that sick. And, um, and then it was my mind shift. Cause when you say it, sometimes it's like, yeah, right, whatever. Everyone's mind shift, mind shift, mind shift. Um, th- but I know in my heart that that's what saved me yeah. is, is switching those gears in my head, you know, and figuring it out. Do you feel that for you? I mean, it sounds like you stayed that way the whole time um, with a little bit of darkness, but you came out of it. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely feel everything that you said. Um, I think, you know, it's so easy to read other people's stories and just assume that that's going to be your exact same story, that those exact same things are going to happen to you. Um, and it's not true. We're all different. Um, we don't even know. I mean, the way this manifests in each individual person is so different. The timelines are crazy. The triggers are different. Like not one. That's the biggest thing is like looking at those things. It's good to build community in my mind. Um, but if you can't separate the community building from like it giving yourself more anxiety, then you can't be a part of it. And so that's just kind of how I handled it. And I do feel guilt whenever I feel better. Um, because you know, you just wish like some of the people you're talking to that you could give them all the good stuff. I know. They weren't through it still. Um, and then the other thing I deal with is actually outside of the support groups. Um, I wouldn't say guilt, but it's like just misunderstanding when people who don't, who never had a vestibular issue, um, see you going through a really hard time and how sick that you can be. Um, but when you feel better, it's like, they think, oh, you're doing better. Like you're going to be doing better forever and everything. Yeah. You're cured. cured. Yeah. Um, good for you. Mm -hmm. I've had so many people say like, oh, I'm so glad you're doing better. Mm -hmm. So, and then even to kind of tell them like the different levels of better, like just because Mm -hmm. I'm out here at this restaurant with you, it doesn't mean that I necessarily feel 100% okay right now. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm really working through it because I want to be here in your presence. Um, So I think that has been hard too. It kind of brings along a a different set of emotions. Yeah, it is. It's very hard. Um, You're lucky to have a support system. Your husband sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. Has that, this whole thing changed your relationship with him at all? Um... I would say so. I mean, he's always been supportive. Um, but you know, like you get those times where you're actually tested with the whole and sickness and health thing. Yeah. Um, and he, he just never even flinched. It was always, what do we need to do? Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that so much. It's such mm-hmm. a gift, um, to be with somebody who is not, um, who isn't intimidated by what this could mean for the rest of our lives. Is it going to burn me? Like it just never even became a thing in his awareness or he never made me feel that that was an issue or something that I needed to be worried about. I was the one who would be, you know, in the midst of spinning, crying, going, I'm so sorry. I don't want you to have to deal with this forever. Um, You know, and he was just like, it's not going to be forever. And if it is, then we'll handle it as it goes, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. What's the hardest hardest part of having a vestibular disorder for you in in your life in general? I think it's um, all the things that I thought that I was going to do that have been taking a little bit longer to do. Um, 
but at the same time it's pushed me to do those things so like I always wanted to do a triathlon always because um, I love hiking and swimming um, but I never done it never signed up for one never trained for one um and so you know i get this issue and now it's like well how am i going to train with this mm -hmm. um you would think it would be something that would keep me from even wanting to do it um but i but i've done two and i'm probably going to sign up for a third soon because i've been starting to feel better but i'm doing the sprint ones so like that's how i've adapted to this is like I'm going to do the shorter version and I'm only going to do one a year and I'm not going to try to go for first place in my age group or anything. I'm just going to be so happy that I did it. That's um, awesome. But you know, like in my head before I had a vestibular condition, I was going to do them and I was going to be competitive and I was going to um, win. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do all these other travel type things. Um, so I think, you know, having something now that I always have to, it's almost like another person you have to take care of separate from yourself. Um, you know, I think of myself without it and the things I want to do. And then I think of myself that does have it and how am I going to carry that person along with it that also wants to do the things. So it's kind of a weird way to think of it, but. No, I love that. That's great. Because it is true. Yeah, there are, there are like two of us and one has to pull the other along mm -hmm. when we start getting in that a negative headspace and or when we need that encouragement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I think you just you kind of grieve the life that you thought you were going to have. Um, but that just makes room for a new life. It does. It does. You know, um, I grieve the life I, I thought I was going to live. And, you know, because there's things that I want to do that I know I'll never be able to do. Like I wanted to be. I wanted to um, become certified scuba. I, I will never be able to do that. I don't. Are we going to talk? <laughs> well, I have a story about that. And um, yeah, okay. I don't want to interrupt you. Uh, oh, you're fine. We can touch back when you're done with your list. Yeah. No, I, I'm things like that. But then there's other things that if it wasn't for this illness, this this these symptoms, I would not have pushed forward and found myself. Mm -hmm. I found my voice with this. Um, I'm no longer a people pleaser. Okay, I still am, but not uh, the, the the pushover I used to be. And I just feel that there's so much more strength and I have boundaries now that I didn't have before. And there's so much, it's taken a lot away, but it, it has given me so much more. And some people don't get that, but once you get it, you get it. Yeah. You know, very freeing once you do it. Is. Mm -hmm. For sure. So you'll have to tell me about the scuba diving. <laughs> okay. So I have a, a very wonderful, sweet, close friend who um, her father has Meniere's disease. Um, and he is a scuba diver. And yeah. I don't know that he still does it as intensely, but he was doing it quite often in the midst of the worst symptoms ever and um, i was so inspired whenever i talked to her about it because he uh she would tell me how you know he had these stories about well you know it is possible to throw up through a regulator <laughs> like, <laughs> like and still keep breathing um so he he would go out and he just with his dive buddies he was really close with them and so i guess they had their signals um mm -hmm. that they would communicate underneath the water if he was in distress or anything and they would just pull him back up at the safe pace and and uh so he still got to do it not every trip was a successful trip but it was he he went and um so that was something that was like right at the start of my journey super inspiring to me that 
there absolutely was, they're not giving up and i'm scuba certified um, i got certified before um and i haven't gone lately only because it's kind of an expensive hobby and i don't have yeah. the equipment and stuff but um but it is possible so yeah well, that's great to hear because I, I really thought that was just off the table. Um, yeah, with with all the symptoms. And so, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, if you ever get to have your dive buddy. Okay. We'll, have a second, we'll have to have a third and a fourth dive buddy to watch both of us. So. Okay. <laughs> that's right. And I'm sure that there are people out there with Meneers that are doing it. But, oh, yeah. Know, so that's so cool. And I hear that you um, are thinking about becoming a Vita ambassador. Yes. So I actually did all of the initial like signing up. I met with the coordinator and talked about different roles I was interested in. And I got my welcome packet in the Yay. mail. Um, so I'm really excited. And um, it's just like another another way to kind of give back. Like this is the opposite of the horror stories and the support groups that I was afraid of. And it's like all the good stuff, like the resources, the person to talk to if you need help with um, correct information. I'm so excited. So um, I, I haven't started officially yet, but I am. It's a, it's a great group of, of people, of humans. They're just awesome. And it's, it's so nice to be a part of something that is giving back and, and we're kind of being those people that we needed back then, you know, that's the way I look at it. What did I need when all this started? And uh, let's step into that role. Yeah. Yay. Well, I can't wait to see what you do. <laughs> so um, is there any way that we can support you in the community, Callie? Um, I have basically just Instagram because I try to block out all of the social media noise and just have like one thing that I pay attention to. Right. Um, but I am friendly underscore fig on Instagram if anybody just wants to talk or reach out. Um, but that's pretty much it. I don't really, I don't really do too much. Um, I do a lot of, of outdoorsy stuff. So, you know, if anybody wanted to connect and go on a hike or something, if they're close by, I'm totally mm -hmm. open for that. Um, but yeah, support wise, I think, I don't know. I don't know what I need. I think I'm never good, but I am, but I'm not. <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, you'll find a lot of people reaching out to you and I will drop your um, link to Instagram below. Well, is there anything you want to talk about before we go on to whirlwind questions? Hmm. I think another hard thing I had to deal with. So during that time that I thought I was going to have to quit my job, I did have to let some things go. I had to lighten my load. Um, at this point, at that point, I think I had five email inboxes I was keeping track of. Oh my goodness. I was temporarily on the board of a, a small water conservation organization. And then I also was a coordinator in another water conservation organization for one of their volunteer programs, um, which I love. And I still am just a regular volunteer with that one to this day. That's the Florida Springs Institute. But um, at one point I was a coordinator and I had to let that go. And that was like the hardest email I ever had to send. It was, it was such a relief to let it go, but it was also like, you know, it was, I was relieved, but I was crying at the same time. Right. Um, but, you know, a year went by, I got better and I'm back out there, not in the same capacity, but I'm still out there. Um, so that was kind of the only other note I could think to add to that conversation. Okay. That's awesome. I, I'm looking forward to watching more of your triathlons and all that it's fun stuff. It's it's really motivating and inspirational to Thank see you. you know. 
All right. Are you ready for whirlwind questions? Ready for whirlwind questions. <laughs> okay. All right. Fill in the blank. Vestibular disorders are. Fun <laughs> <laughs> with sarcasm. <laughs> they are uh, confusing. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. You feel your symptoms coming on, Callie, and you're trying to be brave. What's the first thing that you do? I figure an escape plan for wherever I'm at. If I need to escape, I figure out how I can get to where I need to be as soon as possible. Um, at work, I luckily have a door that I can shut, and I'm not in a, one of those fishbowl offices where people mm -hmm. can see everything. So, again, I have an accommodating supervisor. I have purchased, um, rather than just a regular chair, it's like a futon chair. So I can pull that thing out in less than like two minutes if I need to lay down, shut my door, and that's my escape plan at work. Um, nice. Maybe. <laughs> Do you have escape plans like if you go out with friends and family too? Um, Think ahead of time. Or do you I just kind of fly by? I live on the edge for that. Um, I, I won't go if I know for sure. Like if I know for sure things are shifting around, my eyes aren't focusing, um, sound is really weird. If I have all those things going on, I know it's pretty likely it's not going to end well. So I just won't right. go at all. Um, yeah. But if I have like kind of mild symptoms and it might happen, but most likely not, like I will still, I went zip lining. Um, a couple summers ago when I probably shouldn't have, <laughs> I signed that waiver. I did tell, <laughs> I did tell the zipline people who were so much younger than me. They were like the, the zipline instructors were like in high school. Right. Um, but I did let them know like, Hey, I am dealing with this issue. Um, you know, and, and they were a little worried about it because once you start zipping, there's no way back up. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, but I was like, it'll be fine. Like I was totally convincing. Like, it'll be fine. I'll just sit down for a moment and I'll let it pass and I'll keep zipping or I'll zip through it. I told them that. So, um, and they let me go still. <laughs> and you made it. Oh, no problem. Yeah, so like if there's something I really want to do, I live on the edge. Yeah. And I just, just hope that it, it work out. If I have to lay down on the floor in public, which I've done that, like walking to my acupuncture appointments, um, mm -hmm. I've had to lay down on the sidewalk and broad sunlight in the heat of summer and mm -hmm. you do it and you learn you not to be embarrassed and yeah <laughs> yep after the first time it's nothing <laughs> <laughs> this is normal i just like to lay on the ground <laughs> i know like it here it's really soft <laughs> <laughs> what is one thing that um people usually get wrong about you um uh, oh gosh hmm I think it's like, because I usually am a pretty bubbly people pleaser, like the moment that I get kind of serious, I'm not even being mean. I'm just like serious work mode. And it's like, you're in a bad mood. <laughs> and then I'm like, am I? Now I am. No. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, I don't really ever think about that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I actually don't know the answer to that question. I've kind of always lived my life knowing that I'm significantly weird and people might have, they might think whatever they want about me, but I know that even though, yes, I'm weird and I'm into plants and water and mermaiding at my age um, and doing all these things, like I am so stable uh, mentally. I, I'm a rock to myself. Like I, I'm just not worried about what people mm -hmm. might get wrong about me. Um, right. I'm weird to and contradictory to be a people pleaser and then but I just don't 
I think I just don't allow myself to think about that too much. Good. That's awesome. That's awesome. What is your favorite vestibular friendly meal? Okay. It's definitely this thing. It's called like an egg roll in the bowl and it's so easy to make. I do um, a pound of organic turkey and then like one of those pre-cut cabbage bags that has like cabbage and carrots in it. Right. And a little bit of coconut aminos, a little bit of, well, I do a lot of ginger, a lot of garlic. Um, and then like whatever other veggies you want mm -hmm. and pretty much done. Like it's all in one pan. So as you're scooping it out of the pan into the meal prep containers, you can wash the pan and there's no mess. It's just so simple and quick and easy. And it's one of those things that when people come over and I make it, they like, I literally had people tell me, um, like you have to write down the recipe before I leave. Like they yeah. want to that bag because it's so easy. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like crack's law. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had it? I have not. That I swear I've got a recipe in my book and it sounds exactly like that, but I like, egg, um, what did you call it? <laughs> it sounds a lot better. <laughs> but it's I'm identical. Really interested in the crack's law now. For <laughs> but it's a addictive. It's so good. Yes. Yeah. I will share it's a good way to get in your veggies, like yes. getting your protein in your veggies. And I love carbs. So I always throw in like some sweet potato in there. Mm. Yeah. Just have to watch that sodium. Yeah. So the coconut yeah. aminos isn't as much, um, I think is regular soy sauce. Mm -hmm. so I limit that. And then I don't ever add any other table salt to the cooking because I'm so used to not having it. Cool. Um, what is the last show that you binged and loved? Mm. The last one, if I'm being, so the last new show that I watched, cause I've been binging, um, keeping up appearances again, I grew what up was keeping up appearances. It's actually, mm. um, it's on BritBox. It's mm. a show uh, about this woman who her last name is spelled B-U-C-K-E-T bucket, but she insists that it's bouquet. <laughs> so you just follow this like really silly character and, and she gets in these situations where she's trying to keep up. Like she's this very cultured high person in society, but she keeps running into these slums and all these, you know, it's actually really funny. Um, but the, the one that I really loved and, there's no more episodes out. I don't know when they're coming out with them is, um, what is it called? I can't think of the name. <laughs> Fog, um, the Gilded Age. Yes. The Gilded oh, Age. I have not watched that yet. It's on my, it's on my little to do or whatever you call it. Yes. I have to give that a shot. I love it. It's not entirely historically accurate, but it does have <laughs> little sprinkles of, you know, significant things in American history and the characters are all the good and the bad. You, you love them all. So, no. Awesome. 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 What is your favorite book or novel? Okay. I don't have just one. Am I allowed to have multiple? Sure. Okay. Um, so what dreams may come was a book that I was really close to, like close to my heart, probably most of my life. Um, and then that is a deep, deep book. Yeah. It was like my religion when I was, yeah. I was wow. like, this is what life is, this is what the afterlife is. This is what love should be. Wow. <laughs> so you know i oh my gosh and the book is so different than the movie i mean there's similar themes but sure um and <laughs> education of little tree that one impacted me to the point where it took about three weeks for me to kind of process it and get over it like i just loved it so much mm. um and then the wind is my mother that's a really good one um 
but I normally, I only read like fiction or nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And so I rarely do read fiction. And so I'm always reading these like how-to books or medical books or, you know, things. I wouldn't say that they're my favorite, um, yeah. but they, they pass the time well, especially Alan Watts, anything by Alan Watts. Yeah. I'm the same way, but I do like, I do like to throw in the others once in a while. <laughs> Have you read in Matt Haig? He's really good. He does a lot of like stuff. I think they're even becoming movies. Um, he has one called like the Labrador pact. That was the first one I read from, from his collection. And it's about like a dog living with a family and all he has a gift for telling real human lives and the tragedies that can happen, but also how beautiful life is through those tragedies. Mm-hmm. Um, like other titles, how to stay alive. Um, the midnight library. That was one I just read on my way out to California. And, um, that one is really cool. It's, it's a girl who she's going to, she does, she attempts to commit suicide. And then while she's kind of in the limbo of passing away, she goes to this library and she's able to like all the books in the library symbolize different versions of her life. So she's Mm -hmm. able to relive regrets and make different choices and, um, and yeah, I'll leave the end a mystery, but it's a really great book. And that's those that's by Matt Hayes. Matt Hayes, H A I G. Yeah. Oh, hey. He's like a very good mental health advocate. He's just fun to follow if anybody's into that kind of thing. Cool, cool. It sounds so interesting. Well, what's an activity that completely relaxes you? Um, I was I would say yoga, but it, honestly, I'm not super flexible and so sometimes I want to be flexible in those positions and then I just get anxiety and I'm like I, I can't wait till this is over <laughs> <laughs> defeating <laughs> the purpose there <laughs> my fault not the other fault <laughs> um you know I always say I'm not competitive and I I so am with myself <laughs> right <laughs> birding hands down has got to be the most relaxing thing um I I kind of struggle with doing like group trips sometimes um, is I'm the person who literally wants to like go find a spot and just sit in it for a couple hours and just see what flies by, Um, you know, like lay in my hammock and have a book, see what flies by. And that's bugs too. Like it doesn't have to be just birds. I mean, there's times I've heard leaves rustling and I look down over my hammock and it was a snake scuttling by and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, nature's so beautiful. You're so beautiful. (laughs) I love everything. Like when I'm out in my hammock or I'm just sitting in nature, it is just divine. Like I don't think about time passing at all. Mm -hmm. It's in my own world and I love everything that will allow me to see it. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. I wish more people experienced that. Yeah. I don't know if you heard the um, the episode when I was went outside of work after working a heavy shift and being really stressed before I made my commute home, and I went and sat under the trees. And p- as people were leaving to go home, they're like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm just chilling. Just gonna have my lunch and my Lacroix and just relax before I get on the road." And they're like, "Hippie." <laughs> Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna enjoy it and ignore you. <laughs> so you are in on something that they don't even know about. That's right. It's um, it takes a little bit. I mean, you really have to know how to slow down in order to get there, but it's worth it. It is worth it. What is your most used tool in your vestibular toolbox? I think 
it is like mindfulness um, because I don't want to discount the support group that I have. They're wonderful and I'm so grateful to them. Um, but I really don't try to rely on them as much as I can. Because mm-hmm. I, again, I have that like um, mindset of like, I only want to use resources when I really need them. I don't want to keep using them over and over. Um, so a lot for me is just keeping my mind in check and um, not letting that slip up. And so, you know, there's the mantras. I think everybody has their own and a lot of ours are the same, mm-hmm. um, but just constantly telling yourself you're safe, been here before, you're going to get out of it. You always do. And for me, it's like just really looking forward to that better day around the corner because there always is one. It may not feel like it and it may be a long ways out, but it's always going to come. Um, right. And so I think just like keeping those mantras in my head is, is a tool that's really helped me a lot. And because um, I think this is like such a mental game. It's such a mental game. And, you know, even with the tinnitus, like I've been able to turn that down. Um, that mm-hmm. The worst that was the first symptom, and it was also one of the worst because that's at one point it was so heightened, it was like alarms blaring in my ear all the time. Um, didn't I just hear you say something to the point where your tinnitus at this point is almost calming? Where you it's not, it's not a obstructive, it's it's just it's yeah. something you expect now. And, and um, cicadas yeah. is it cicadas? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, it, um, at one point it was very threatening and very panic inducing and very distracting. And um, I, I read the book, Mind Over Many Years, you know, mm-hmm. by Schweitzer. And um, he talks about how you can like just kind of acclimate to it. And so I really went full force into that. And like, you know, you can't hurt yourself by trying it. Right. You just try it and it doesn't work and you move on or it does work and you didn't waste your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... I really focused on like just imagining this dial, this volume dial from like in my head, in my vision, it was like a 1990s boombox dial. Like, like, like you could see the volume line and right. I like would focus in on the noise and just tell myself like, you're safe. This is not threatening. It's mm-hmm. just a new thing to live with. And I would just visualize that dial turning down and it did, it's worked. It's, it took a while um, repetitively doing that. But I don't even notice my tinnitus now unless I'm like in my car and the doors are shut and the music isn't on yet. And it's really airtight, quiet. Then I'll kind of hear it Um, or at night if I don't have like a fan on. But it is like a summer day, cicadas, grasshoppers jumping around. It's it's noises that I didn't visualize to make them this way, but somehow they ended up that way of like reminding me of my childhood and walking around in the field in my yard and just all the, the flying insects. Like it's mm-hmm. just a certain noise that you only hear when you go in like a rural area and there's all these flying insects on a sunny day. That's exactly what it sounds like for me now. And so when I do have those moments where it's quiet and I can hear it, or like if I'm under the water, I can hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not bother me at all. I might That's only nice. it for a few seconds and then I'm, you know, that's great. That's yeah. really good. What are you extremely grateful for today? Being here, talking to you, yeah. um, connecting with the community more. Um, yeah. There's so many things, you know, I think gratitude itself is like one of the most important things that we can do and be aware of all the time. And so I'm, I'm always mm-hmm. grateful 
first and foremost that I'm here. I live another day. I experience things, even if they might hurt and they're stressful and they're like the worst thing that could happen to me at the time. It's, you know, it's still like life is music and we're just supposed to dance. And sometimes the songs aren't happy songs, but you dance anyway and they're still beautiful in their own way. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I'm just really grateful for the people around me that I did make it out of this. Um, it's with me forever, but I consider myself out of it in the sense that I don't see it as like a death sentence or right. stuck in bed my whole life or mm -hmm. whatever. If I end up getting chronic again and I need mobility aids, mm -hmm. I'm so okay with that. Mm -hmm. now. Right. Um, and if I lose my hearing completely, you know, there's hearing devices that you can have, like everything is just so there's a solution or a way around everything you could ever be afraid of. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just grateful for every day that I get to go out in nature. I'm grateful for every book I get to read, for every mm -hmm. show I get to watch, every time my friends laugh and make me laugh. Like, I'm just so grateful for literally everything in a way that I never, I don't know if I would have been if I didn't have this happen to me. Yeah, that's, it's so true. That's so true. You just, the change in perspective and how you appreciate things, just, it really does change. Well, it has been such a, a blessing sharing space with you today. I Thank can't you. wait to see what you do in the community. Thank you for That's having awesome. me. And um, I am just so excited about what you're doing with this. It's it's helping a lot of people. It's helping me so much. And I know yeah. it's you know, such important work. And so so grateful for you for putting Aww. it. Thank you. Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your story with the Meniere's Muse community. I look forward to following your journey as an ambassador, and I hope to collaborate with you in the future. Wishing you all the best. If you would like to connect with Kelly or myself, please find the ways to do so below. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share, and stay tuned for upcoming episodes. If you have made it this far, I would like to thank you for being here. It's because of you that I continue to share these stories and connect with so many of you. Our community is growing every day, so be sure to be that person you needed at the beginning of your journey and lean on this community. Now, right around the corner is Life Rebalance Live. It's a live conference that will be held March 4th through the 9th, every day beginning at noon Eastern with a professional providers panel discussing certain topics followed by a patient panel sharing their experiences on the same topic. Be sure to register at www vestibular.org forward slash LRL. If you know someone with an inspiring story, I would love to connect with them. See the ways to connect with me below and reach out. One final question and I'll let you go. Have you discussed your vestibular disorder or symptoms with your employer? I would love for you to leave me a voice message at www.speakpipe.com. Your responses will be shared in future episodes. If you'd like more information on vestibular disorders, Visit the Vita website at www.vestibular.org. Remember to love and be gentle with yourself. Lean on this beautiful community and remember that healing is possible. I'll see you soon, warriors.